I wanted to do something a little bit different this morning. I don't know if anybody's caught on yet. I'd like to do things a little bit differently sometimes. Keep things fresh. Keep you guessing, you know. Keeps us thinking, though. Engaged, right? So the past month, we've been taking some time to, um, and not planned on my part, but we've been, we've been in the kingdom of heaven uh, for the past three weeks. We've been talking about different ideas about the kingdom of heaven that Jesus gave us from the book of Matthew, chapter 13. Different parables that he used to teach us on what the kingdom of heaven is like, what it's about, a little bit about how it operates, and how that relates to us. And so you remember the, the, the three parables. Does anybody remember the three parables that we used to learn about the kingdom of heaven? Yeah, that was the first one, the first Sunday of February, the hidden treasure. What's another one? Bonus points if you have a second one. <laughs> so after the hidden treasure, well, we did mention, uh, not quite Moses, but the Old Testament at one point, in Exodus. Yes, we were talking about, it was the parable of the yeast. The kingdom of heaven is like a little leaven that's mixed into the dough and it mixes its way through the whole batch and how it infects everything it touches. Mm, well, you got one more try. There's one left. There's one left that, that we haven't gotten. And this was just last week. Time to listen to the, to the podcast, I guess. <laughs> oh, hey, we have po- a podcast now. Jake got us hooked up on iTunes. We have a podcast at our church, gracewayri.org. You can find it there. Last week we talked on, from Matthew 13 about the parable of the nets. It was the parable of the nets and how really that parable can be viewed as an invitation, Jesus inviting us to participate in building and reaping the harvest and, and building the kingdom. Right? So those are the three that we spent some time on. Now, today, um, I'm a little excited too to, to give this a try because I'm not going to be preaching to you this morning. I'm excited to have you share the message with me. And so we're going to see a little bit about a little how, that, how that works. And maybe this, I think you can get away with having not heard it or not remembering it because we're going to ask some questions. We're going to kind of just dig into this. I, you, you can almost view it as a forum, a kingdom of heaven forum or practicum. We've learned some lessons about the kingdom. Let's dig in and see what does that mean today, here, now. Before we do, um, I need a helper, someone who has maybe good handwriting and can kind of jot some of the things that we're coming up with together. <coughs> good handwriting? You want to be our Vanna White? Come on up, Vanna. <laughs> Everybody give Audrey a hand. <laughs> you even have colors to choose from. You can choose blue, red, or black there. Okay, so, so here's the thing. This is not my church by any means. It's also not your church because it's, it's his church. We're here. He's invited us in and we're part of it. And so the Lord has put me here as the pastor of the church. Now, am I, am I the only one who can, can speak the word of God and hear from the Lord? No, not by any means. Not by any means. Because out of all believers, which of the Christian believers have the Holy Spirit living in them? Of course. We all, upon that conversion moment when we accept Christ and his sacrifice, at that moment, the Holy Spirit comes and resides in us. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus said, I'm not, when he ascended to heaven, he said, I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm not leaving you alone. He ministers to us through the Holy Spirit that lives within. He gives us comfort, counsel, guidance, uh, boldness, and courage. All these things from the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And through that Holy Spirit, we commune with the Father and with Jesus. That Holy Spirit. So we all hear from him. So what the purpose of today is really about is to draw out what is the Lord doing? What has he been at work at doing in our lives and beyond just our individual lives as a congregation, what has he been doing? This morning, I want to take a few minutes to draw out and see what's he been doing because I bet we're going to see some commonalities, some common threads. Now, before we do this, we've got to set, set some expectations here. Uh, oh, Outer, Outer also has, we have a mic that we're going to pass around for, when, for those who are, who are brave enough to interact, which I hope is all of us. Um, Outer has our um, kind of ghetto fabulous microphone here in our solo cup, so we're going to pass around the solo cup. Not to drink, not to drink. There is no drink in it, there is a microphone in it. <laughs> now, one thing I want you to know is this. This morning is going to be about dialogue back and forth. This is about conversations with myself to you, yourself to one another. We're digging in. We're trying to draw stuff out. And to draw stuff out, we, ne- we need to take the shovel to the ground and we need to dig in a little bit and see what's there. Okay? It does require a level of vulnerability on our part. Just know this. There's no wrong answer. We're asking about one another's experience. What are they seeing? What are they feeling? What are they hearing? What are they understanding? Because we're all learning together. We're all in this together. We're all learning together. And so, just, because, just like I am not the only one that can speak and encourage and teach people, each one of you can learn from one another. Some of the, some of the questions that I will propose will seem kind of simple, not even worth asking maybe. What I would ask you is this. Don't hold back and sit back and, and not engage and not answer simply because it just seems like a, like a, a, a too simple of a question because your answer might be just what someone else in this room needs to hear, is going to learn from your experience, from your answer. And so, yeah, we have, to, we have to have some trust here and vulnerability and honesty, put ourselves out there a little bit. But no, when you do, it's not just to have your voice heard because we bless one another when we share what's in here, right? And when you speak, there's no wrong answer. There's no judgment. This is, this is better than Planet Fitness, the judgment-free zone, because you don't have to exercise. That's good. <laughs> you can sit there and not be judged. <laughs> so let's do this. What we're going to do is we're going to kind of go backwards through the month. Last week, we talked about the parable of nets, <clears throat> and that was in Matthew 13, Verse 47 and 48. I'll read it again to get it fresh in our minds, and then let's dig in. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. You remember that we we talked about how this was really an invitation for us to participate in bringing the kingdom of heaven. Just like Jesus told his disciples, who were fishermen, he said, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. There was an invitation. That stands for us here today. He's already invited. And chances are we've already 
already participated or are still participating in this. That's really part of our role as believers is helping and participating with the Lord and building the kingdom. So this parable uses the imagery of a net that gets thrown into the sea and pulled up with a bunch of fish in it. Okay? And this is how we participate in that kingdom of heaven. So my first question is this. What does that actually look like practically? So we understand the symbol. Okay, so our participation is casting a net and pulling up a net full of fish. What does that look like practically speaking to you? What do you read in that? What do you see in that? Well, you need a solo cup. You need a magic solo cup. Talking to, oh, I don't like that. (laughs) Yeah, but Clark has to hear you back there. Talking to family, friends, anyone around you about the good news. That's a great answer. Can you write that question down and then just jot some abbreviated notes? What does it look like to cast our nets? Any other thoughts? That's, That's right on point. What does it look like to cast our nets? Is that the only way? Looks. <laughs> Freaking solo cup. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think also, um, I think the way you live your life is an example. Sometimes yeah. that's the most poignant way of drawing others into understanding and realizing and living it. And yeah. uh, I know that has brought people to, to me and the conversation has opened mm-hmm. to that. So I would say um, just being open to living life yeah. in the way that you know he's taught you how to live. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Because, you know, and when you think about it, too, it's, it's kind of two in the same. Like, what is Christian living about? It's about growing in Christ and being more like him. And as a result, that living that out is casting the net. The, the, the biggest witness we have for people is actually what we're doing. Have you ever seen someone who, who, who talks a good game and then they get on the court and, and are tripping over their own two feet? Far be it from us to be people who talk about a God that we don't know or tell people about a Jesus that we don't have intimate relationship with. Mm-hmm. Let us not talk about something we have no experience with. That's, that's a huge, huge thing to take into consideration, Gabby. Thank you for sharing that. Any other thoughts on that? What does it look like to cast our nets? It's about being conscious about not just living church here in this church building, but taking it out wherever you are. Yeah. Work, play. You know, the people that are out there should see you the way they see you right here. Mm-hmm. That's the way it should be. Yeah, yeah. That's really good. That's really good. So along that note, let me use that to transition to even the next question. Where is the Lord, and this could be on a personal note or even as a church, where is the Lord leading us to cast our nets? Everywhere we go. Okay, that, that's a good one, but it's very, very general, too. That's kind of like way up here. Can we bring it down a little bit? Well, I've been, when you're thinking, as I, as I reflect on that, when you think of the good fish and the bad fish, um, the great thing in the kingdom and, and us throwing our nets is we don't decide who the bad fish are. The Lord presents the gospel t- to all, and they decide yeah. to accept it or reject it. Mm-hmm. So everywhere we go, we just, we just pass it out, and the Lord will do the rest. It's good. So. Uh, out in the back, there was someone there. 
Uh, Matthew. Oh. <clears throat> um, about 40 years ago, I heard a lesson by a, a brother named um, Landon Saunders, and the title of the lesson was The Appeal of the Victorious Life. You know, we buy into things in all facets of our lives. The grocery store, everything stacked on those shelves, the way it's stacked, the way it's packaged, is to catch your eye. Yeah. To, re to reach <laughs> you, not just in the tummy, but to reach you when you're fancy and you name it, whatever's on TV, whatever, whatever they're selling at the, at the auto deal dealership. It's all to appeal to your sensibilities or the things that you're looking for. That's what Jesus did in his ministry. Yeah. Besides, and first and foremost, just totally giving himself yeah. for us on the cross, but in every other way too. So God can use us to appeal to the hearts of people, to catch their fancy with all the things that they struggle with. They don't see you struggling, and they're going to want to ask you, what's going on with you? Why are you so hopeful? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Things along those lines. That's good. Awesome. Thank you. <clears throat> what are some ways to know, then, what are some ways to know and discern that this is where the Lord is leading me to cast my net? What are some ways to know? How does he do that? Well, um, God's in us, and the Holy Spirit's in us. And um, so what I try to do is, like, be in his presence and listen to the Holy Spirit where he's leading me because sometimes I'm not supposed to say something or I'm not supposed to do something, and I get a check in my spirit. And... You know, just do what he says. Mm -hmm. You know, you bring up an excellent point. There are specific times where the Lord is steering us away from something, where our natural tendency might be, well, it's common sense. I'm going to go speak to this person or help this person. Mm -hmm. The Lord knows all things, and we need to be sensitive when he says, hold your net to yourself and carry it over here and cast. Mm -hmm. So that's an excellent point. I'm glad you brought that up. Just like he will steer us away from things, he will also steer us towards things. And so I, I think about in the scripture where <coughs> it says in many places throughout the New Testament how Jesus looks upon the crowds and was moved with compassion. That's it. He was moved with compassion and then he fed the 5,000. And then he did this wonderful miracle because of the compassion that drew him to these people. How do we know where the Lord is, is guiding us to cast our nets. Are you moved by compassion? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I think the measure in how you know when you are being moved by the compassion of the Holy Spirit is when you start to engage people. In my experience was I was speaking to a woman. I was regular appointment medical exam, and she spoke of her two brothers. And the measure of what was happening in the difference between the two brothers, one was very involved in the church and the other brother was very worldly. And I think what happens is um, one gets lost in the world. And there are others that are watching in on all of this. And then comes a moment of um, reflection. And you see that there is a, a, a pain or a yanks in the person's heart. And I think 
the measure of the, the spirit that lives within you is compelled to move forward. Because mm-hmm. Jesus always moved that way when he saw the, the heart, because he's always looking toward the heart. And you can see, when you look at the expression of the person's face, in the words that come from their mouth, you know um, by the spirit, it tells you this is their heart being revealed. Mm-hmm. And that's when you cast your net. And that's when you start to speak in the measure of what the Spirit has given to you as an empowerment to unveil what God has unveiled to you, to them. Mm-hmm. And that's where the net is being cast. And yeah. now you start to draw them in by the measure of the love and compassion that God has placed within you for them to better understand it. Yes, I'm just not in the world that people don't care. There are people that care. But the question is, why do you care? And that's yeah. when you reveal Jesus to them. And to say, research it for yourself. Read his word. Unveil the truths of what he wants to bring to you. Yeah. Now, you've, now you're in the net. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. So the, the, the Lord will stir us with compassion in our heart and, and, and direct us to people. But now, does he always move that way? Is it always compassion that sends us to cast our net? No. No. I would have to agree with that because you know what? Anybody ever read the story of Jonah? (laughs) He was instructed to cast a net, and was he compassionate? (laughs) He said, I ain't going that way, Lord. Matter of fact, I'm going to go in the opposite direction. There was no compassion there. As a matter of fact, he wanted to see Nineveh destroyed. And this is why he intentionally, he probably took that news that the Lord was going to destroy that place unless Jonah went and, and told them the news. He probably gave a little fist pump here. Because Nineveh was a very brutal place that was enemies of Israel at the time. So he ran the other way, hoping that he just let it go down. I'll just look the other way. There's no compassion there. So sometimes the Lord, we know that the Lord is guiding us to cast our net in a particular direction just because he simply said so. Just because he moved on your spirit to do something, even if there, there's not a desire on your behalf to do it. I've been, I've been moved <laughs> to go and apologize to people. Guess what? Did I want to do it? But I had to suck it up and do it. And in that moment, that's an act of casting the net. That's an act of surrender and obedience. That's an act of participating with the Lord, saying, I see what you're showing me to do, what you're, what you're asking me to participate in, and I'm going to move right with it. I'm going to stay in alignment with that. What are, what are some other ways? I, 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 can anyone come up with any other ways of how the Lord stirs you to cast that net. Have to cast your net. Mm, okay. Can you like, give? Can you like expand um, on that a little bit? You've been through a certain experience. You may not want to talk about it. You may, but someone may come into your net area. And because of your story and what you tell them, all of a sudden, before you know it, you have yes. them in your net. Yeah. You know something? your own experiences. That's so good, because think about this. Uh, think about the story with Peter and John when they were walking into the temple. Uh, I don't remember where that passage was. It's in the New Testament. Peter and John are walking into the temple, and as they're walking, there was a lame man there, and he's asking them to, to give them some money. And does anyone remember the story? They said, I don't have any money. 
but I'll give you what I have. Right. In the name of Jesus, stand to your feet. And he stood. It doesn't say anything about compassion. It doesn't say anything about moved by the Spirit of God, instructed by the Spirit of God. He was just within reach. How do you know the Lord's leading you to cast your net? Because you can reach them. They're right there. He's not going to tell you to stay away unless those, those special circumstances where he said, this one needs some time. Just keep some distance. If they're in reach, then there's no reason not to unless the Lord specifically has instructed, wait, hold, hold on. The time is coming, but it's not today. I can think of one other um, situation that I have to mention is this. There's a story where in Acts, uh, where is it here? I think it's in Acts chapter 6, where Paul, the Apostle Paul, is in Athens. And this is a place in Athens. They had served many, many gods. 17 17 gods. And their thing was they loved to learn and and worship all these different gods. This was the thing. They loved to debate and, and learn and challenge. Matter of fact, they, and they had this god, this statue to the, the, the unknown god. They had the statue to the unknown god. And Paul sees this statue and he says, that's an opportunity. I'm going to tell them about this unknown god. So sometimes there, there's going to be a, a special opportunity that we have the opportunity to seize that and use that to cast our net because there's a captive audience. They're there. They're right there. So use that opportunity to your strength and cast the net. When uh, deep sea fishermen go, go out fishing, one of the ways, well, not deep sea, but sea fishing, one of the ways that, that they go out searching to catch the fish, they're looking to see where the, the fish are, above, are at the top of the water feeding because you can see the water's kind of stirring. And they see, okay, the fish are right here. They're, they're, they're feeding. That's where they are. And then they go towards that direction. They want to catch a fish. They're going to go to where the fish are. So let me ask you this. In that sense, where would you say, where are, some, where are there groups of people schooling even now? Good. Back. The people whom God has brought into your circle of influence, those are the people that God has given you the opportunity or the mandate to reach. It may not happen right away, but he put these people within your circle of influence because I can't speak to somebody like Manny or Pastor Austin. He didn't direct me to speak to who you, you know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. all I'm trying to okay. say. Okay. So let's get even, even more specific with it. And let's look at this past week, past two weeks. Where do we see groups of people schooling, if you will, together, coming together? Large amounts of attention coming all whoosh, to this area. Any particular area? Facebook. Social media, unfortunately. But, well, that's, that's, a, that's a means, but what's on there? What, I'm not, it's like specifically. Racing, that's what. <laughs> In the back. 500. <laughs> what's that? Yeah. Everybody knows racing is not a sport. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I'm gonna duck I, quick. I, I happened to be in town, and I went into a, a food place to get a bite as I was traveling to visit family. And there was this huge Greyhound bus, but it wasn't gray. It was completely black, black windows. You couldn't see anybody inside. But outside in the street parking lot, these young guys are mulling around, 30s, 20s, 30s, 40s. They're all wearing jeans, and they're all wearing Jersey College shirts. So I come out, and I run into three of them. I said, I said, are you, are you guys with that van? And they said, yeah. They said to me, I said to them, where are you going? They said, the race. I said, what race? They looked at me like I had three heads because we were about 20 minutes away from Daytona Speedway. And I, and I could care less about Daytona 500, but they were all going to the Daytona 500. Nice. And you could have witnessed to a lot of people that day. All right, we got another one up here. Yeah, where are people schooling? Um, whenever there's like a major tragedy, I feel like a lot of times like people will like band together and like either unify or like riot yeah. or like whatever. But there's usually like a large amount of people like attracted to that yes. kind of tragedy. Yes. Think about what's going on in the schools right now. Yeah. What has what has been just like a vacuum with all the attention with what's going on with the shootings in the schools right now? People are schooling around this issue. And so when we see, okay, that's where they all are, that's where we need to go. We have a relevant message for those people. Their emotions are high, yes. There's been tragedy, yes. Those are the types of things where people school around and it sucks up. There's all this attention happening. We have a message of hope and transformation to carry to those people. We need to go to where the people are, speak to the situations that everyone is listening in and saying, what, what's going on here? How is this going to turn out? How is this going to play out? You have, we have a voice into that if we're in tune with where the people are schooling. Where are they all gathering around? Where's all the attention going? Let's move now to this. So once we've accepted that invitation to participate with God and, and cast our nets, we talked about this. He accepts us and we begin to participate but there's, there's still this kind of process of a continual teaching. He teaches us. He trains us. He equips us. And then sends us. This continual process. Teaching and training. Equipping and then sending. So my question is for you, for those who might be willing to, to uh, share, where exactly are you at in that right now? And here's what I mean by that. It's always kind of this cycle. We're always learning more. We're always being trained deeper. We're always learning to, to use the tools and the equipment that the Lord has given us. So this kind of happens, but we go through seasons too where one is kind of highlighted more than another. He's bringing our attention to this particular thing and, and he's working us in us with that. I wonder who in here would be willing to share with us. If you had to pick one, where do you feel like the Lord has been highlighting in your life today? between this, this, this teaching about the word, training and living that out, equipping and using the gifts God has given you and being sent. Where are you at in that? My walk is very hard. Well, my walk is very hard. My walk is very different. I deal with um, veteran suicide, and I deal with the families that are left behind. 
Um, we're called ghost of families. They are, can either lose their child to suicide or in war. And that has been my walk for the last five, six years. And that means giving hope to the hopeless. Because, and that's, the last two weeks has been unbelievable. You try to give hope to a mother who's lost their child. And that pain never goes away. And they don't understand why their child's gone. And they don't ever think they'll laugh again. They don't think they'll ever be happy again. You have the veteran that has done things when he's been at war that he comes back and he feels guilty about. And he doesn't feel that he has a right to be here. And um, I've talked guns out of mouths, nooses from around necks. I've talked pills out of people's hands. So you're, so for you, um, you're in a season of sending. The Lord has commissioned you, and this is a role that he's oh given you. Oh, I have you, no choice, because believe me, I would not be on this road, <coughs> because um, that means I have to relive my own tragedy with losing my son. But God seems to take my story and help somebody else. And when I am at my lowest, and I'm crying, mm. and I can be standing on a parking lot in Arizona or a beach in Florida and praising God and crying at the same time, people look and they say, wow, Bev, you've lost two kids. You've lost this, you've lost that. How can you still be out here doing this? It's because of God, mm -hmm. you know. Um, He's the one that enables all of that. I've, Absolutely. I've, I've just had phone calls yesterday, and you have to let them know that God is there. There's a reason. But sometimes, believe me, that walk is hard, and you don't want to be on that walk. Mm -hmm. But you have to trust in God to give you the right words yeah. to say, the right situation to say them in, and yet the discernment went to keep your mouth shut. Yeah, that's so good. Thank you for sharing that. This in the back here too, Outer? Where are you at in those four seasons? Uh, I, I want to share that uh, I lost my mom in 2014, and I, I made a commitment to myself to, and her that I want to help as many people as I can. And um, I've been trying to do that and not shirk my um, responsibilities, as you say, that might be a strong word, to try and help as many people as I can and get a joy out of doing it. Yeah. And I've, I've been on that path ever since. Wow. And, it, and I, I, I believe in that. I believe in the Lord. I believe he has a purpose for us. And I, believe, I believe that he, he's sending me on this path, and I'm going to keep following it. Amen. I know I left the Graceway here for two years, not, not knowing what, a purpose, what my purpose was. And I did two years of soul searching on what my purpose was in life. And when I lost my mom in 2014, it all like it came together. Wow. And that's why I'm, the path I want to follow. Wow. That's so good. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. Praise God for that. It's, it's amazing how the Lord can use situations to speak to us so powerfully. Yeah. I feel like God's giving me that gift and the joy that I can see that just exudes you 
that you would never think you went through a hard day in your life. And sometimes when I'm down, just seeing you brings me up. So That's so true, yeah. isn't it? It's a magnetic. Yeah. It's contagious. Yeah. See, that's, that's the contagious kingdom. We're going to get there in a minute. <laughs> it's infectious. We had one up here too, uh, Kathy. You're getting your laps in today, yeah, aren't you? No, right, <laughs> I was just thinking, um, this is actually for me, and maybe it's for someone else, but um, as being a person who's been around for a while, um, things have changed, and it used to be that people were more friendly to each other, and what I was getting was, like that if you're in line or whatever, not only just a smile, but, you know, just talk to people. How are you doing? You know, it, you know how's your day going? Whatever. And people, I think they want to be asked. And that's like an invitation to um, be kind. You know, whatever the Lord is leading to. So good. That's true. Thank you. Uh, no more here. And then we'll move on. <clears throat> this is very close to home. and Bear with me on this one. My relationship with my dad was very strained. Um, I lived in a very tumultuous family life. Um, I was going to Catholic school, and my parents raised me as a Catholic. Um, there were things that had happened in the family that had drawn me away. Um, I was very confused. Um, I did not respect my dad as a man, as, um, as someone to look up to, who I wanted to emulate in life. I went into life and I, and I carried myself as a lot of people do in the world that don't know Christ. God threw his net upon me because of his grace and his mercy. And it took hold. And he reminded me that a relationship between the father and son is very important. And that um, it was at that point my father was dying that God moved me to reconnect that casting of that net. Because I knew Jesus at the time. I accepted Christ. And, and I thought that was beautiful. But yet God kept reminding me of a, a, per, a, a relationship between my father was important. Um, but I looked at God as being my father. And I'm, I'm speaking of casting these nets. God did a wonderful thing for me. And that's how. That's how that net can be cast and it can take hold. And as my father was laying in bed in the hospital, God moved me to reconnect. Like we, re we should reconnect with people out in this world, even though we don't know them personally. No. But we're all family. We're all some of us are walking blindly in this world and we don't know God and we don't know Christ. And for many reasons, we don't. 
But God did a beautiful thing here. Because he brought me to my father on his deathbed. And I began to ask him questions about whether or not he knew Christ. Or whether he was willing to accept Jesus. And these are some very direct questions. I mean, we don't go into the world and we don't, some would say, we don't present it that way. Well, I'll tell you, it worked in this moment. And I asked my father, and at the point he was on a morphine drip, so he couldn't communicate with me. Much like sometimes we can't communicate with people out in the world. But God intervened, and he said, a squeeze of a hand is what he said to me. So I took my father by the hand, and this is how I led him through the power of the Spirit to come to know who Jesus is and willing to accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And this is close to home. And this can be abroad. He accepted Jesus that day by the squeeze of a hand. And I think in this world, it can just be a hug. It could just be that caring eye to look upon another human being, another child of God. They never might be walking like a child of God, but the, in God's eyes, they are. They're just blind. And so we, as his advocates, go out into the world to be his hands and feet and to show his love that he invoked in us. I did not want to go to my father because I did not respect him. But the love of God broke through that and made me free to be able to love him back. And he's a God of reconciliation. And that is our whole purpose in this world, is to, yeah. is to be those reconcilers, to be his, his hands and feet. And, and, and I was just moved to share this with you. I mean, this is stuff I carry with me, but no more. This is real, and this is world, and this is me, and this is many other people. Not in, in, in this package, but yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Norman, for just being open and honest like that. Appreciate that, man. Praise God. Um, I'm going to jump to the next parable here, and we're we'll, um, going to pick up the pace a little bit just because of time's sake. The other parable that we talked about in the kingdom of heaven was the parable of the leavened bread. In Matthew 13, 33, it says this. Jesus told them another parable this way. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened and worked through the whole batch of dough. We talked that day about how yeast, or leaven, is an infectious agent. It's a contagious agent. So once it's in that dough, it mixes and works its way through the whole batch of dough. It's so infectious, as a matter of fact, that once it's mixed into all the dough, you can actually cut a piece of that dough off, throw it in another batch, and keep mixing it, and it'll still work its way through that whole batch. We talked about how it, is, it, it infects the things around us and how Jesus here says that the kingdom of heaven is like the yeast mixed in. The kingdom of heaven is something that is advancing. It's something that is on the offensive versus on the defensive. We talked about how a lot of the God's church today are we're still operating in this old mentality on the defensive, trying to keep ourselves clean and removed and apart from the world where Jesus says, go and get mixed in. 
We also have talked about the results of the church, the weakened state of the church that we're living in now, and the diminishing numbers of believers because of the weakened state. So I want to pose a couple questions about this, and what I'll do is this. I'll keep losing it here. What I'm going to do is this. I'm gonna, there's a couple questions I want to highlight, but I'm going to read off a couple for you just to contemplate for yourselves. I'll read through these first ones. I won't take responses until the, the following ones. What does it really look like, the work of mixing in? What does the work of mixing the leaven into the dough really look like to you? What challenges come with mixing faith and practice in the secular world that we live in today? What challenges come with that? Sometimes we find ourselves being influenced by the world instead of the opposite, being the influence in the world. So in that regard, how can we stay in the world and not become of it, like Jesus talks about in John 17? How can we be in the world and not become of it? I wonder if any of you have had experiences mixing into the world that have caused you to stop short and rethink this whole mixing in thing. You want to share something quickly? Yes, very quickly. Sure. Uh, my great-grandmother, who was 107 when she passed away, whenever I thought I was saying something smart, she'd say, so you say. And she said that meant that all of what I'm saying was tainted. All of the yeast that you put in the bread spreads through the bread and infects it. That's all I had to say. Mm-hmm. We'll take with this one here real quick, too, Outer. Frank? Um, I, as you were asking about what season do we find ourselves in and, and to the question of the leaven in the bread, um, I think for many of us, um, we're very much like Jonah. We're very comfortable in where we're at. Mm-hmm. And, and worse than that, as with Jonah, we question the availability and worthiness of those who are right in front of us in our neighborhoods um, on their salvation. And Lord has an amazing way to, as I've heard these amazing testimonies this morning of a son and his father and a mother and, and the loss of her children, it's, it's God uses it all. And, you know, doing the study in Romans that I'm at, that we're in now, and, um, you know, Romans, Romans 11 says that um, the Lord closed the eyes, ears, and hearts of the Jews so he could save the Gentiles until they reached the number. And as I reflected and prayed on that in our community, in the neighborhood I live in, the Holy Spirit reminded me, says that often we basically share the gospel with those who already know. And we're teaching those who have already been taught. And it's far better to share the gospel with those who haven't heard and those who haven't seen. And that is the going out that is casting the net and um, being obedient. And I would say for many of us, the time and season to go out is now, but we just have to understand and receive the voice and will of God where he already has us planted. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I'm going to ask what might be a tough question. <coughs> uh, but for those of us uh, at Graceway, um, have been here for years or newly to Graceway, what do you see as possible barriers that stop us, inhibit us from mixing in to the community, mixing in to the world around us? Judging other people. Uh, sorry, I didn't hear that. Judging, judgment of other people. Okay. I believe. <coughs> you don't have to go into detail, but that's a good answer. Judgment of other people. Yep. You know, God tells us to love. He doesn't tell us to judge. That's his job. Can you write that down? That and forgiveness. It's very hard sometimes for people to forgive. Mm -hmm. That's all of us too, you're right. Mm -hmm. any, any other thoughts? Like what, are, what are some barriers that are stopping us from mixing in? Yeah. I think one of the biggest barriers that is, has been the church. Uh, if you look at a lot of the things that the church has said and done over the years, over the centuries, throughout history, you know, I say they were fakers and they were phonies. They weren't represent. If you're not representing Jesus Christ and trying to live like him, you can call yourself whatever you want. But the problem, I think, is that we have to unteach people the harms that have been done. So, you know, and it's just us. Like, when we leave here, do we let people go? Do we flip people off? Do we not open doors? Do we do things that, well, that guy's a Christian? You know, that, I think that we've been the biggest hurdle. I mean, if we were more conformed into the image of Christ, then, you know, we wouldn't have that barrier. And, un and unfortunately... It's a really hard barrier. I mean, people have, are wounded by churches and, and stuff, you know. So I think that, you know, we yeah. need to more reflect Jesus. <coughs> Forget about the legalism and the dot in the I's and crossing the T's. Loving like he loved, loving the people who he loved. It's a constant struggle that we should yeah. be going through as Christians to yeah. attain that. So that's so good. So you're saying people that have been wounded by the church but are still existing in the church, are, 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 we can't get out of our own way. Because we're wounded, we're walking around limping like this. And, and we, we can't get anything done because we're not being healed. We're not conforming to the likeness of Christ. Okay, that's good. That's really good. Matthew, and then... Fear, Fear that we can't, that we're not capable of doing it. Every one of us has a story or two or even more. But I believe it's First Timothy. Paul says to Timothy, the Lord has not give us a, given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power, love, and discipline. And we, that, mean, that means if he's given it to us, we all have it. Right. If we all have it, we just need to tap into it. And we need to help <coughs> encourage each other to tap into it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you tell me or remind me or encourage me, and I'll try to do the same for you. Yeah. And let's get on with it. That's good. That's very good. Uh, we hit here and then. Um, I don't go here often. I've come here a, a handful of times. Um, please take what I say in love. I'm, I'm nervous about saying it. Um, I think maybe five people have said hello to me when I've come in. Um, n very rarely do I get smiles, um, except when the door's being held for me, at, and, and sporadically, a few. Um, I've been hurt by churches in the past. I've been hurt by people in the past. And um, if I came here as not grounded in the knowledge of how much Jesus Christ loves me and how this is his body, and I am welcome here through his Holy Spirit, I, I don't think I'd feel welcome here. And, and I hope this doesn't offend people, but I'm just being real. It's hard to be real in a room full of strangers, but I feel like I'm in a room full of strangers. And um, I, I, I wanted you all to know that because this is what people 
who are strangers. And, and not just strangers to you, but strangers to the Lord. We're, we're supposed to be his representatives. We're supposed to love him and, and show his love to one another, even if we don't know them. And, um, and I, mm. I just wanted to, to say that. And I, I, again, I, I, don't, I hope this is received in love, but um, this, is, this is how it feels to be a new person. And um, I just thank God I know him as well as I do, and I know that you all love him, and we share that beautiful common bond. Mm. And, um, and that's all. Thank you for being transparent and vulnerable, being willing to share. Uh, Kathy and then Clark. Well, um, I was just thinking of something, and it's, it's no ref reflection on what you said. I just, I think it's awesome that you, s you say your heart, because it, I don't know what other people are thinking. So that's awesome. You know, that's a good, good thing to keep in mind. But I'm thinking that, um, for me, it's like when I'm coming from, like, a spirit of rejection instead of thinking of a spirit of adoption. I mean, of all that God has given us and, and promised me and everything. I think of, like, what I don't have, you know, the rejection, all the, all the negative things, and I should be thinking of being adopted and all the promises. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good. Uh, Clarkhead. Oh, and then we'll come back to Gabby after Clarkhead. <coughs> me. <laughs> me. I'm the biggest barrier. Me. I'm wrapped up in my own, wow. I guess, pain, my own ego, my own, um, I guess you could say, issues. I mean, I was sitting at the entranceway when that young lady came in. Elsie said hi to her. I wasn't. I didn't. I was thinking about my wife. I was thinking about the pain about, you know, thinking about my wife, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. yeah, I think a lot of times the biggest issue that we have is ourselves. We, yeah. we, we don't know how to get out of our own way. Wow. That's so true, I think, for so many of us, Clark, to be honest. It's not even like we're intentionally trying to exclude anyone or make anyone feel awkward, but we're wrapped up in our own little world. And we can't get outside of our own world and say, hey, there's other people that need to know that Jesus loves them too. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I wanted to share something that's a bit personal, is what you said. And I'm going to try to make this brief because I know we're telling my time. But um, the pastor and... Uh, so I know my story, which is not a fun story, uh, but it's a story that I had two choices that I could have taken with. Um, I could have uh, collapsed and lost faith and wondered why um, all that happened happened. Um, but instead, what I think what I saw was an opportunity to by expression and. Um, I am a stage three cancer survivor. I've been fighting for the last 19 months for my life. And on the heels of that, I lost, my husband abandoned me after 28 years of marriage. Uh, complete abandonment and shock. And then I got cancer. Um, I've been going through this, and I'll be going through a 12-hour surgery, 10 to 12-hour surgery on March 6th um, to repair and to help me uh, sort of continue because radiation pretty much 
fried me. But um, what I did is I, through social media, is I think what a person that I trusted most in my life, because I was commitment person, I took vows that I meant were forever, yeah. and was to crush me um, into a way of silence. And so I decided not to be silent. So I decided to share my journey through a chemo journal that I kept with friends on Facebook. And they, by extension, shared with their friends who were going through it. And it was a ripple. You know, and sometimes life is like that. You throw a stone into water. You just don't know where those ripples are going to go. And um, I discovered an enormous outpouring of faith from people that don't speak of their faith. But they were able to do that because someone else was sharing their faith through one of the worst moments uh, that you could go through. Um, So I think that's that's one of the things is that you never know when you're sharing a trial or a challenge that is ongoing, that might be the way that you're casting a net or you're where the fish are. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And... um, and, huh. and it has certainly been something that has continued in my life to, you know, as pastor knows, keep going, plugging along. Yeah, <laughs> keep chugging along. Thank you for sharing that, oh, Gabby. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> oh, Miss Margaret. <clears throat> I was sitting here, and I, I didn't really want to say anything. But right now, many of you know that I'm going through a very, very hard time of my life. I've been married for 62 years, and now my husband has dementia, and every single week it seems to be getting worse. You wonder why I'm not sitting up there, because he's not here. You wonder why, why is she sitting in the back today? I'm sitting in the back because of Gabby. Gabby told me her story this morning. I didn't know her story. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm sitting back here. As much as I'm going through with, I still have empathy for other people. Yeah. And that's why I'm sitting back here. Yeah. Wow. Thank you, Ms. Margaret. That highlights how even even in the midst of our trials, there's people all around us. If if we engage in conversation, we interact our eyes become open to the fact that so are they. So are they. It's not just you. Because you know something? Sometimes we all need a reminder. The world doesn't revolve around me. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's the people around me. Mm. We're all all in this together. And we find this, that when when we get our mindset and our heart outside of just ourselves and invest in others, in that place, in that place is the encouragement for our own lives. In that place, we find hope restored by getting outside of ourselves. But we forget this because when we're in this kind of stagnant pool, that's all we know. We forget that when we step out of the pool, there's fresh water flowing. It's just stepping outside of ourselves in faith. Was there another one in the back? Um, One of the things I, I, I think that gets in our way, like Pastor Clark said, is me. <laughs> me. I get in my own way. I heard a saying from St. Francis of Assisi that said, 
Preach always, and whenever necessary, use words. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's it. Mm -hmm. Okay, one more here, and then we'll move to another question. That's, that's okay. This is good stuff. We need this. I just wanted to say, my mom and I settled here um, about two years ago, and the reason was because when we looked around, we saw God. Like, I see this church as being the body of Christ, because if you look around the colors, the ages, the testimonies, just the beauty, like there's no good reason we should all be gathered here, other than <laughs> if it was from so God. True. Really, so I've been true. to plenty of churches where I look around and they're all the same color, we're all the same age, we're all the same you know, socioeconomic group, but this church is built on layers and layers of differences. Yeah. So why are we all gathered? You know, it is God. <laughs> he is the foundation of this church. And I see it and I feel it. And it's just beautiful. And the changes that are going on are because of God. Yeah. Um, Amen. And um, I just, it's it like my daughter Mary, we've had a hard time with her faith. And this morning I saw her praising the Lord. And she hasn't once opened her mouth since we've been here, you know. Wow. And two weeks ago Thank she said, Jesus. Mom, I felt the ground shaking this wow. morning when I was at church. And Jesus. I thought, wow. <laughs> Praise you know, I'm God. like, I've never felt the ground I said, what did you think, Mary? I said, <laughs> she said, I think it was from God. I said, yeah, I think so. You know, so we're, there's just so much um, beauty yeah. here today. Yeah. And uh, I love you all, and I'm very, Man. very thankful. Thank you so much for sharing that. That is so inspiring. God is on the move. He's stirring things up. And wow, who knows what we're going to be encountering. That moves me into the next question that I wanted to ask. And, and we're not going to go through the whole next parable. But what I want to do is this. The parable that he mentioned of, of the hidden treasure that was found in, in the field. <clears throat> the man went, ran back and sold everything he had to attain the treasure. We have a treasure. We know the hope that is Jesus Christ, and we know that there's nowhere else to find something, anything remotely like that. Amen. Only Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the, that's the game changer. That's, that's what changes our lives. We found the treasure. We have it. You know, that parable mentions that when the man found the treasure, he hid it again. He says he covered it up again and went back and sold everything he had so he could buy the field. And then guess what? When you buy the field, now he owns the treasure. It no longer needs to be hidden. Now he possesses it. Now it belongs to him. Now no one else can claim it from him because it's his. And so what do you do with something that you treasure and you're proud of? You hold it out like a trophy on display. You hold it out like a trophy on display. Now, two final questions and then we'll wrap up for the morning. Are there any ways that you personally can perceive that we have kept our treasure hidden? As a church, I'm looking at Graceway Community Church. I'm just coming and I'm still be orienting myself to the church. And so maybe some people who have been here much longer can, can help with these two questions. Are there ways that we have kept that treasure hidden? Yeah, I can take a little authority on this because um, <coughs> some of you know I've been around here a long time even though I left for a few years. And uh, I think one of the greatest ways, Mike sort of touched on it, but it's, it's 
um, you've been very involved in, in, in recent years in your life, and that's we just simply don't get together with Christians because they don't do it our way. They don't pray our way. They don't praise our way. Some guys, some folks like to keep their hands in their pockets, and you wouldn't know they were saved because they're not smiling. You don't go in there. If somebody walked in there this morning, they might turn around and walk right back out because so many people have their, their hands in the air or something like that. Mm-hmm. We, think, we think there's no Christians in Catholic churches. We think there's no Christians in Episcopal churches. We think there's no Christians in Methodist churches. Any, any of us who think that way <laughs> are not only selling God short, but we're disparaging a brother or sister yeah. that's out there. So I think the greatest thing in, in Jesus' prayer in, in John chapter 17, verse 23, love one another. It's through our love for one another, not all of one another in these four walls and that ceiling. <laughs> our love for one another everywhere yes. in the body of Christ is what is going to lead unbelievers and catch them in that net. Yeah, so good, so good. Any other thoughts on that? Are, are, are there ways that we have kept our treasure hidden? Kathy? Yep. Sorry for talking so much. But what I'm, what I'm thinking is, and I've felt this before, instead of just, you know, you hear all this pain and everything, well, we have the ability to do something about it. You know, God's given us his promises and... Um, to you know, you can ask if 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 you could pray for them, and you know, like to you know to pray and believe and and then don't hold on to the burdens. You know, just hand the burdens to Jesus. You know, so that we're not um, burdened ourselves by the burdens. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Um, I'm going to sh- share a thought on that in just a minute, but first, uh, Christine here. <coughs> <laughs> it's good, it's good. Um, I do feel like we could do more with outreach. I feel like in the past we haven't. I feel like we've kept it very contained inside the walls of this church. I feel like God hasn't called us all to go on missions and, you know, to different countries. I feel like this community has a lot that we could serve. And I feel if if we go in the name of... Um, not religion, but as helpers, you know, as yeah. people that can lend a hand to people that need a hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all around us. It's next door at the nursing home. Um, it, yes. it, it's within right walking distance from here. I mean, there's, and so we can't be discouraged by the fact that we're not going to Africa on missions trips, but be encouraged that we can do it here because that's yeah. what God's called us to first is our community. So good. So good. Sometimes we overcomplicate th- things and it's like, just look in front of you. It's right, it's right there. Did someone else have a... Oh, Mike. You know, we used to sing a song back when we were a cappella. It was called, There is a Bomb in Gilead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? And we're not a bomb in Gilead. I think that we've become... The church in general, I think, but definitely Graceway over the years has been a very... It's almost like a club. You know, we come here, we hang out, we sing some praises, we hear some preaching, we go on our ways. And some of us, when we go on our ways, we have outreach, we have our own things that we give to... But as a church group, we've never gotten out there in the community. Wow. We haven't been over across the street to the trailer park in years and years and years. You know, we haven't, like, we've talked about, like, saying in the fall to have a, a group to go rake leaves and, and all these things that we can be doing. But we sit here in our little country club, 
and we play church sometimes, and we don't get out there and be the hands and feet of Christ as a yeah. group. You know, wow. we're, we're not paid, and I know that this is part of your plan, and, we're, and hopefully we move towards that. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's events taking place every day, every weekend, that we should be at. We should have a presence here. And not to preach, and not to hand out tracts about Jesus, but to be, because Jesus, before he taught, he fed. He took care of the basic needs of the people. Mm-hmm. And then they were willing to listen to what he had to say. <laughs> and I just think that we need to be more of that church outside, not just here. Yes. Um, you know, and that's, that's the key, right? That's so good. I'm so encouraged to hear that. Over here. Um, what Christina said really excited me because um, personally, I had 10 years where I didn't feel comfortable walking into a church. And so there's plenty of people out there. We can't just hold events here and expect them to come into the yeast pile. But if we go out there, <laughs> you know, mix it up and not make, so they don't have to feel like uncomfortable going somewhere that maybe they've been hurt or abused or. Yeah. They have, I've had like post traumatic stress from church for a long time, and, and that's not always easy to get over. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that can be the most damaging kind. Well, church, I'd like to let you know about an outreach that um, the Lord led me to begin with a good friend of mine who's the guidance counselor at Thompson. And we call it the Village Project. If you go on my page on Facebook, Walter K. Evans Sr., you'll see underneath that the Village Project. We reach out to the project uh, community, uh, Park Home, Newport Heights, all of that. Um, Pastor Ed has helped me last year. He brought some hot dogs. We hot dogs, water, potato chips, and we have gospel uh, choirs that have come in the morning. We've also had secular groups. Angela uh, used to be part of a reggae band, and 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 they came. He just heard you. Um, I just didn't, <laughs> I haven't let everybody know. I have a hard time asking people for help. <coughs> I really do. Well, we look forward to participating you know. in that again. And, and there's, there will be a lot of things that are going to be coming down the pike. So, but we're moving in that direction because here's the thing. Like we've been talking about a little bit too. I think we've mentioned it in recent weeks. We're going to build our capacity here so now we can go out and add value to the community. Because that's our real goal. Our goal is not to be here and just exist. We, ha- we have something here that is treasured that the people who don't know Christ, they have no clue. We have to add that value to the places all around here. And I, it's mind-blowing to just look out the door. It doesn't matter which direction you look out the building here. If you look uh, north, east, west, outreach is right off the property. Take a step in that direction, there's the school. Take a step there, there's the nursing home. Take a step this way, there's the trailer park. Outreach is there. It's in our reach. So what we're doing now, what, the Lord, what I see the Lord doing now is he's strengthening us as a body. He's bringing healing in places where there's, there's been fractures. There needs to be healing. We need to address things. He's building new strength. And he's bringing us a new awareness. And so now we have a new capacity to, to invite people into this and share what we have. Because until we fully own it, we can't give it away. Mm. I can't give you something that doesn't belong to me. It's not mine to give. We are going to own this thing, and then we're going to blast it out and give it everywhere that we can go. Because the more that we share the kingdom, the more it grows within us. And we see the world begin to change. 
That's the direction we're heading in. One last question for, for this morning is this. What do we possess as a church? What does Graceway Community Church possess that we can offer up to invest in building of the kingdom? We talk about wanting to do outreach, right, and get out into the community. What can we, what can we put out there? Practically speaking, we know we have the gospel message. We know that we have the love of Christ. And, and that's, that's really the only thing that differentiates us from the rest of the world that divine love that resides in us that no one can know unless they know Christ. That's the game changer. Now on a practical sense too, what are some things that we have that we can offer up to build the kingdom? Things that we can give out. Yes. Um, that's a, it's interesting how many times I've heard it since I've been here about Forest Avenue right next door in school. And Steve Ponce, a lifelong friend of mine, who's a principal, and I just read in the paper that he's retiring. And I think it's interesting that um, there used to be an old saying in my ch- first church I got saved in that we're so <coughs> heavenly minded with no earthly good. And, you know, and I say ouch to that more than I should probably. But um, Cindy Jacobs basically gave a word of encouragement over the church, and she said, I'm really frustrated and tired of hearing people say that We've removed God from the schools. We've only removed God from the schools if the church doesn't pray. And if the church doesn't impact the schools that, that they're in the neighborhood of. And, you know, there's so many of us, I believe, in this house. And what do we do with the gifts and talents that we have? The power of the Holy Spirit within us is, you know, Dr. Tony Evans, as we all know, in Texas, um, he impacts the schools. And they basically have asked him to come in and help them, quote-unquote, fix their schools. In Newport, a few months back, maybe longer than that now, there was a school committee meeting, and the teachers and some of the employees in the building said they're fearful of being in the school. And I would humbly suggest, myself included, that we have contacts, we have friendships, and we have relationships with people of influence in the schools right now, in our community. And rather than saying we can't go in, and assume that we can't have access to them, yeah. I believe the Lord is leading us out to go in mm-hmm. because we have the gifts, talents, and abilities within us to impact our school systems. Mm-hmm. So um, bringing it to, to, to our congregation, to, to Graceway Community Church, what are some of the things? You mentioned gifts and talents and skills, resources. What, what do we have? I'm mean, being very practical. Like, it's, I'm not, it's not like a symbolic question. Thank you. We have like a state-of-the-art commercial kitchen. Awesome. And I feel like it would boost who they are in God also if they got involved in these projects. I know um, it would give them a sense of purpose. And... I really feel like we need to utilize our youth more yeah. in getting them involved in our community also. Absolutely. I'm 100% behind that. We, we, um, we were involved in a hospitality network with a network of churches here on the island. I don't know if you were maybe too young to remember or weren't in one of them at the time. but um, That could be revived. Um, it, we actually put up, the homeless, we put up homeless people here. And we took turns, the, ho- the different churches took turns 
We also shared in a food ministry with the Martin Luther King Center, with the Salvation Army, some other churches and ministries. And as a group, we would make bagged lunches and, and, and pack them with whatever other goodies. And we, we do this uh, weekly and or monthly in the community. These things can all be revived if there are uh, bodies and willing souls here to do it. And that nursing home next door, any one of you can go over there anytime and volunteer. We did have a music ministry there. We, uh, Mike and, and, and Clark and I and some of the folks who were here at the time, we'd go over there when we were done with service and sing to them. I don't remember if we did it weekly or month, monthly. That could so easily be revived. But I'll tell you one thing you can give an elderly person, especially somebody who's confined to a wheelchair, someone who doesn't have family members that, that visit them, you can adopt them. We all look to adopt kids, needy kids, kids who have lost their mom and dad. They've lost everybody, many of them, and they don't have anybody coming to see them. So they live a very lonely life. They only see the staff who sometimes treat them like an object because they're so caught up in their work. Mm -hmm. But you can get over there and befriend just one soul. You can bring smile, joy, and hope yeah. to one lady or old man that's over there. And I encourage you, I challenge you, I ask you yeah. to do it, to do and, it. And really, that's just a matter of time. We have a resource yeah. of time. We Set give time just time. Your time. Our time, obviously, is not ours. It belongs to the Lord. So and find he's given it to, to us to steward. To we have yourself. that. We can Set give that. Set the time and go do it, and, you know. And I'm talking to me, too. I'm not trying to, try to pick on anybody. Of course, you know, of I'm course. picking on my own brain and my own past. So. Any other responses to that? What, what do we have to, to offer to invest in the kingdom and building the kingdom as a body, as a group? Well, you know, you mentioned earlier this is not your church. And it's not our church. It's the Lord's church, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that means something. If it's not just words, if it's the reality, then this auditorium can be used by people who aren't part of us. Mm -hmm. The classrooms can be used by people who aren't necessarily part of us, and, the, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And eventually, they get to know us, and they get to dispel the myths that they've learned, because I don't know anybody <coughs> in this earth that can read Matthew, and get past the genealogies, and, and meet Jesus and not fall in love with him. He's yeah. the guy. He's what we're all looking for. Yeah. We might not even know it. So, But they're not going to get to know him if we go with them with a church attitude and a preaching attitude and a tracts attitude. We need to deal with them as human beings and see that we're just human beings. The only difference is we've been saved by grace. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So we have, we, we have this building. Looking, looking upwards down here, the handicap, they serve the handicap. Let me hold you right there. We have this building like Mike just mentioned. Does anybody, who knows what looking upwards is? Looking upwards is an organization right down the street that works with people with, dis with disabilities. And they wanted I, to use the building, we turned them down. No, I just no, met with them on Friday. Them. They are starting oh, to use the building on that's Tuesday, great. March 6th. They're that's going to use great. this sanctuary. Hallelujah. On Tuesdays, on Tuesday afternoons, they're going to be working with some of their clients, doing classes in, over here. On Tuesday evenings, they're going to be in here doing their all-staff uh, session, teaching sessions in the sanctuary here. These are, this is the direction that we are heading in the church. The Lord has given us resources, and we will not hold them to ourselves. We will not hoard what the Lord has entrusted to us. No, we're going to give richly of what we have been given and watch him just flow in the blessing into this place. He is changing this place, and he's changing us. 
Let's get caught up in that current and let him change us and do whatever he wants with his building and his church. It's his. We will bless this community. We will add value to this community. He's given us value to give away, not to hoard. Because when we do, the value diminishes. And God forbid it whisk away right before our very eyes just because we refused to give it out. No, that's not the kind of church that we're going to be. If the Lord gives us something, we're going to pass it on. We'll be the medium. Uh, oh, and we're going to wrap up too, Norm. I, the question was, what is the most practical way that we can show ourselves as a church? Um, in looking at what our skill set is, and I'm talking to not just the men, but women as well. Now, God has given me a talent, and I have used it to an degree um, just because I was moved to do it. Um, and what happens is it requires sacrifice. Like, I'm skilled with my hands, um, so I, that's a blessing God has given to me. So that's a practical um, skill set for me to go out into the community and help. Um, maybe a minor repair on someone's home, um, raking leaves, doing lawns, that type of thing. Um, all of that. Um, and there has been a measure that I have um, stopped. And a brother had explained to me too, and let's involve the youths, because now as men, as we, we know our skill set, and we've applied it to sustain ourselves in life. A brother had approached me when I was involved in doing what I was doing. He said, you know what, Norman, you, a lot of times I notice that you're doing this work on your own. I said, because I'm driven that way, and I, I've been used to working like that. But he said to me, he said, many hands makes light work. And let's talk about the use. Now, we as men in this church and the skill set that we possess, and if there are youths that are interested in learning these skill sets so that that way... Now we're introducing these young men, women, whoever wants to be willing to swing a hammer or, or, or do whatever. Let's train up the youths with a skill set so that way we can come out as an army of not just men, but men, women, and youths into our communities and apply these skills. God gave us these skills for a reason and not just to sustain ourselves, which is the general purpose why we take our skill set to sustain ourselves in life. But now let's go beyond that. And I thank my brother for putting that idea in my mind because I was so used to doing it on my own. And I found out by getting involved with others and, and doing work together, there's so much that we can learn, so much that can be gained in the strength, and we get to know each other better. The, the, the struggles that we go on in, in our lives that we don't share. Why? Because we're carrying these loads on our own. Yeah. Don't need to carry these loads on our own. Okay, I'm saying that's it. Done. <laughs> All right, guys. You know something? It's after 1230. Let's wrap this thing up. <laughs> God is good, and we need to eat. <laughs> um, is it a good one? Does it involve food?
they were asked to only come with staff. They've not been vaccinated. Mm. How about reaching out to some of the people who have left <coughs> our church for whatever reason, letting them know the good things that are going on now and inviting them to come back. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's good wisdom. Absolutely. The, the main reason people don't come to church is because they haven't been invited. So all, all of these resources are things that we're, um, we're now looking into sharing so that we can invest and, and, and bring them into the kingdom. We want to cast our nets. Hey, let's pray together, family, and then we'll, uh, we'll send off to go eat because my stomach's good about to growl on this microphone. <laughs> God, you're good, and you've given us so much. Lord, you've entrusted us with so much. God, you entrusted us with your son by letting him die on the cross, not even knowing if we would accept it but you let him die anyway so we'd have the opportunity, the option of accepting it. Thank you, Jesus, for doing that. Thank you for doing that for, our, for us. And I thank you so much, Jesus, that when we accept you in our heart, that's the beginning. That's the first step. And there's so much more. You've put so much inside of us, Lord. And the closer we come to you, the more time that we spend getting to know you, the more we see what you've planted inside of us that's been there all along, just waiting for you to breathe life into it. God, breathe life into us as a body, as a congregation. Continue to bring new life in us, God, and awaken those things that have been sitting dormant within us, Lord. And I pray this over our lives individually as well as, as, as a congregation, Jesus. Breathe new life to those things, God, that have been sitting just quietly, awaiting for something to call them out. Well, you're calling them out now, Lord. We hear your call, and we will respond. And we look forward to see how you work in this community to bring change and to bring glory to your name. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you, family. No, no, leave that there.